Welcome everyone to Debt Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, from Debt Talk Live. I was about to say the old phrase. Caught it in time, though. Welcome everyone. I hope everyone's enjoying their Thursday evening. Tomorrow is Friday. I want to welcome some of our guests tonight. Let's see who we have. We have a regular singer chick is with us. Carl and Enid is joining us on YouTube. Singer chick who I just mentioned. You guys got to forgive me today. I am extremely tired. I was up really late last night and I woke up ridiculously early today. So if I seem a little bit off, that's why. Anyway, I want to welcome Colette, who's joining us on Facebook. Lindsay Sparks is with us from Canada. And hello to Cece Weezy on Instagram. Marie is, of course, moderating Instagram. Balu is joining us. Borakua is also with us. Marty is joining us. Uh, uh, Steven has just joined us on Instagram. And tonight is our 200th episode. Man, the first 100, you know, went by at a good pace, but the last 100 episodes just flew by. It really seems just like last week we were celebrating our 100th episode, and here we are, number 200. Wow. Want to welcome uh, Linda, who's just joined us on Instagram. Jade, sorry, Linda is with us on YouTube. Jade is with us on Facebook as is Robert. Welcome to all you guys. So, if you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web. Our website address is deadtalklive.com. And as always, if you have yet to do so, please visit our YouTube channel, which is called Dead Talk Live. Please go ahead and subscribe if you have yet to do so. And if you're there right now, please feel free to hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So, love the floating hearts, guys. I want to welcome Andrew Valentine, who's just joined us on Instagram, saying hello. Welcome, Andrew. So, let's get on to the news, all right? The Walking Dead comic artist enlists zombies to reinforce COVID safety message. The artist behind the global hit comic book series The Walking Dead has penned a series of illustrations aimed at tackling the COVID-19 pandemic. Charlie Adler, who is from Shrewsbury, has teamed up with Shrossfire. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Shropshire. Shropshire. Man, that's a difficult name to pronounce. Council to create images with key public health messages, which feature the zombie menace for which he is famous. Adler, who illustrated issues number 7 through 193 over 15 years, said the art community has been among the hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic and things could only return to normal if people follow the science and follow experts' advice. The hugely successful series, which ended in 2019, they're talking about the comic books, was adopted for television by AMC in 2010, bringing the story about a group of zombie apocalypse survivors to the small screen. The original artwork urges residents to wash their hands, get tested while other uh, featuring a man trying to run from a shuffling zombie reminds people to socially distance. The vivid illustrations will be used by the council to help get key public health messages out to the wider public. Adler said Shropshire has always had a vibrant local art scene. But the pandemic has had a massive impact on the whole range of organizations working in the country's cultural sector. And they're talking about the UK. Theaters, music, venues, festivals, and museums. And that's just not unique to the UK. It's the same here in the United States and all over the world. Our sector makes a huge contribution to the economy, quality of life, and communities. We need to come back strongly in the future. 
Lots of local venues have received financial support, but in order to survive, we need to see people back enjoying everything Shropshire has to offer. To do that, we need everyone to do their bit and follow the measures designed to keep everyone safe. And, I mean, what can we say, guys? I know we all read the news, whether we want to or not, and what's going on in the real world. It is scary. It's it's scary. The numbers are going up. We are now a year to when anybody ever even heard the term COVID. And here we are a year later, and you would think things would be getting better. By now, they're only getting worse. It's getting worse. And what terrifies me, and I'm guilty of this as much as the next person is, we as, you know, wherever you're located in the world, because this has been in our face every day for so long now, it's be, we've become callous to it. And that is at least part of the reason as to why these numbers are spiking. So anyway, we're we actually have a, another COVID entertainment piece coming up after this article right here, which is today, the, the mystery masked man, the masked ninja person, as I call them on the walking net, has been cast. All right. And as I've said all along, guys, it's nobody we know. All right. I was saying this throughout the summer. It's nobody that we know. It's somebody completely new. We're not 100% sure yet if they are from the Commonwealth or not. More than likely they are. I think that's who Maggie's been running with. And that's the reinforcement that she brought with her to save her friends. Uh, but let me show you the picture of who this masked ninja person is. The question that we have been asking throughout the entire summer. Here it is. This is Elijah. This is our masked ninja person. Now, even though they casted him, we are probably more than likely going to see him without the mask. How often? I have no idea. But here he is. It is a man. There was a little debate whether it was a man, a woman. It's a man. And this is Elijah. This is the uh, masked person who has all those mad skills on The Walking Dead and who saved uh, Aaron and Alden's butts in the opening minutes of the uh, season 10 finale. So there you go. That's our masked ninja person. So let's read what they have to say about him. The secret identity of the masked stranger on The Walking Dead is no longer a mystery. AMC Networks on Thursday confirmed three new cast members for The Walking Dead when it returns in February 2021. Yes, we're going to get to that also in a little bit, but we do have a date for when these six episodes are going to air, and it's going to be in February, which is only three months away, uh, and we're going to get six brand spanking new Walking Dead episodes in February, which is probably also going to be when Fear the Walking Dead resumes and starts its second half. Uh, which would be episode 8. This uh, coming Sunday's episode of Fear the Walking Dead is the unofficial mid-season finale. It wasn't supposed to be, but because of the pandemic, they weren't able to finish episode 8, which is the official mid-season finale in time. So in February, we are going to get the official mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, and then the very next week, we are going to get the official premiere of the second half of Fear of the Walking Dead. And today we find out that in February, we are also getting new Walking Dead episodes. So a lot of information was released today. Uh, I want to welcome Philip, who's with us on Facebook. Uh, Christina is also joining us on Facebook. 
Summer is here on YouTube saying woohoo. Ruben is also with us on YouTube as well. So, actors joining the cast for this mini season include Robert Patrick. Uh, if you guys don't know who Robert Patrick is, uh, Terminator 2, he was the, the bad guy, Liquid Metal Man. Okay, he was also in the X Files and a whole bunch of other stuff, Perry Mason, and on and on and on. So that's very, he's an amazing actor. Robert Patrick joining uh, The Walking Dead. That's, that's exciting. Uh, his character's name is going to be Maze. We are also, we've talked about this one, Hillary uh, Burton Morgan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real wife, uh, who has starred in One Tree Hill, Friday Night In with the Morgans, will be coming in as Negan's wife, Lucille. So, that's exciting as well. And the Masked Ninja person, whose name is, I'll try not to butcher this, Okia M. A. Akwari. Okay? He was in Cobra Kai in Greenland, and he will be Elijah, the metal masked fighter who is accompanying Maggie, played by Lauren Cohen, in the finale, which was called A Certain Doom. In that episode, Maggie, Maggie returns to Virginia at the climax of the Whisperer War with the masked Elijah wearing a metal mask and a hood wielding bladed comma weapons. The ninja-like fighter helps Aaron and Alden fend off attacking Whisperers before resuscitating, sorry, before rescuing Father Gabriel inside the hospital under siege from Beta's army, all right? Maggie reveals Elijah's name in episode 1017, which is the first of the six episodes that we're going to get, Home Sweet Home. And they are releasing these little one-minute one table reads from all these different six episodes, which I think is brilliant, by the way. It's a great way to tease and give us a, a great inside look uh, into what these episodes are going to have. And they're giving us these like one-minute table reads as the actors rehearse their lines. Uh, in a clip that was released as part of a virtual cast table read back in October. In this first episode back, Said in the immediate aftermath of the Whisperer War, Maggie explains what happened after she left a hilltop with her son Herschel years earlier. Alright, so yes, the first of these six episodes, there's really going to be no time lapse from what we saw at the end of 1016. It's going to go straight from that straight into these new six episodes. So, during the table read, uh, we hear Maggie say, the truth is, I left home because I didn't want Negan taking up any more space in my head. And I realized I wasn't ready to bring Herschel back to that, she tells Daryl, and her decision to leave. And the next morning, we found Elijah and a whole community that needed us as much as we needed them, and it felt like it was meant to be. So based on that, Elijah is not part of the Commonwealth, all right? It was just another community. Uh, so maybe Maggie has not come across the Commonwealth. Maybe uh, Eugene, Yumiko, Princess, and Ezekiel are the first ones that are introduced to the Commonwealth. All this time, at least I've been going under the assumption that uh, Maggie has been running with them. You know, it, from what we're getting so far, that could still might that still might work out to be the case where she at least crosses paths with them. But it looks like it's not where she has been spending the majority of her time. I want to welcome Jennifer and John Wesley who have just joined us on Facebook. It's good to see you guys back. Uh, so anyway, it continues on saying, Elijah does not have a counterpart in the comics. 
Some questioned if the masked man might be Mercer. I know I was one of those people. A comic book character who wears body armor and wields bladed weapons. But showrunner Angela Kang last month shot down those theories. Um, we've had, we have more new people joining us on Instagram. G Pennington is with us. Innocent is also with us. Shens has also joined us. So more about Elijah and Maggie's time away from the walking dead will come to light in the extended season. They're calling it season 10. Maggie has been off with Georgie played by Jane Atkinson. And I'd really like to see Jane back. She's an amazing actress, and we only really got her for one episode, and I would love to see more of Georgie back on The Walking Dead. The, the bespectacled benefactor, who has so far appeared only once in a season 8 episode called The Key, which is funny because we just had a Fear of the Walking Dead episode not long ago with the exact same episode title, The Key. AMC has not said whether Atkinson reprises her role in the coming run of episodes. I really hope she does. I really, really do. Maggie has seen some dark things on the road. And obviously, like when she comes in, she's with this man in like Metal Mask, who is his fellow. What adventures have they been on? That's all part of the story going forward, and it's going to drive one of the major missions that we will start to see unfold. Kang said in an October interview, it will lead us to some uh, it will lead us to meet some other interesting characters that will cross into some of the other major storylines of our series going forward. Now, now that can mean one of two things, okay? Now, storylines going forward, yeah, we know we are getting uh, the Commonwealth. That's a no-brainer there. But it, it, let me just reread that quote. Uh, there's a lot that's all part of the story going forward uh, about what adventures they have been on, and it will lead us to meet some other interesting tech characters that will cross some other major storylines so for me it either means a the commonwealth or they might totally surprise us and uh do what they did with michonne's last episode could they find clues that rick grimes is alive in these six episodes rick is not coming back in these six episodes i'm not saying that please that's not what i'm saying Rick is not going to show up anymore on the TV Walking Dead. But could they find more clues like Michonne found that led her on this uh, mission to leave the show to go and search for him finding clues that he is still alive? So it's either that or the Commonwealth. Those are the two major storylines that are unfolding in the Walking Dead. So we just have to wait and see. Uh, let's see, uh, CC Wheezy writes, I think Negan is going to get his comic book ending where he is banished to live in a cabin alone. We'll see. Uh, could definitely play out that way. Uh, hello to Ruben on YouTube. Hello to Stone Walkers, who's just joined us on YouTube as well. So going back to the COVID thing, <laughs> And I was wondering, it was only a matter of time, guys, but they have made the first COVID movie. It's not a documentary. It's not anything tracing how the virus started and spread. It's a scripted movie, and it's called COVID-21, Lethal Virus. Now... <laughs> I was waiting for this, okay? I don't know when it was going to come because supposedly production on movies, TV shows has all been stopped or moving at a snail's pace. So, but they managed, they managed to film from start to finish a COVID movie. 
in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, and it's called COVID-21 Lethal Virus. So let's see what this movie, at least the summary of what this movie is going to be about. This is the first movie. You knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And I didn't think they'd be filming a movie about COVID as the cases continue to rise. Anyway, COVID-21 is set in a broken world, still struggling to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. That's kind of where we're living right now, where a mutated new super virus threatens to destroy the remnants of mankind. When civilization is hit with the outbreak of a new lethal virus, the results are swift, chaotic, and deadly, throwing the world into future crisis. With the last hopes for a cure pinned on a brilliant young scientist, Allison and the military are given one final mission to deliver Allison to her laboratory at all costs. It's a duty undertaken without any hesitation. Yet, as the pandemic intensifies and their progress, numbers, and optimism start to dwindle, the group finds themselves struggling not only with the infected population, but with a somber dilemma. Does humanity truly deserve to be saved? This is definitely Hollywood. The film market premieres at the Malaga Festival's Spanish Screenings Online Showcase. A deal for North America is currently under negotiations. Interestingly, the film started production in 2019. So they started this movie right when this thing was starting to break out over in Asia. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, the guy who, uh, who wrote a movie about a super virus, uh, a great movie, and the title is escaping me right now, uh, he did a lot of research, okay? And he was interviewed on cable news, and he said never in his wildest imagination... Did he think that a virus could be around for so many months, make its way inside the United States, really have nothing be done about it, and be to the point where we are today? And this is coming from a writer whose job is to imagine the craziest of crazy stuff, and it never once crossed his imagination that it could happen that way. And that's why in the movie, everything happens within a matter of days, not months, like it happened in reality. Which goes back to what I've, uh, I always say, that reality is a lot scarier and it's a lot weirder than fiction. Anyway, it goes on to say, we watched in amazement as the script was becoming reality before our very eyes, writer, director, Danielle Hernandez Torado told Variety, During filming, we also suffered climate change in the form of unexpected snowfalls and torrential rains, but we decided to take advantage of the setbacks, turning them to our favor, adapting the scenes and including snowfall sequences of great visual beauty. The aim of the film is to entertain with a good dose of action and suspense while we warn about the dangers of climate change and the need for a more caring society. Now, I mean, okay, uh, you know, I get the whole entertainment thing, but if we're living in the middle of a pandemic that shows no signs of getting better, the last thing I am going to want to watch is a movie about the pandemic that we are all currently living in. When I watch a movie, I want an escape from the real world. If I want the real world, I can either just step outside or turn on the news. When I sit down to watch a TV show or a movie, the point is I want to escape. I want to, you know, be entertained. 
and watching a movie about the COVID pandemic progressing all the way to COVID-21, as is the title of this movie, for me, that just doesn't sound as entertainment. So that's just my, uh, my take on that. Uh, Marie writes, she feels the same. T. Fabiano is just giving us a thumbs up on Instagram. Uh, Ruben also says the same. Philip Thompson writes, I'm not going to watch a real world movie about COVID. Yeah, there you go. But they started it in 2019. And I bet you when they started it, they didn't think here we are almost at the end of 2020. And we would be in the state that we are right now around the world. I bet you even these guys that were making this movie thought by the time the release date was coming, which is right now, the COVID-19 pandemic would be a thing of the past. I have, I'm pretty sure that they had no idea, like I said, when they were producing, filming this thing, and it's ready to be released now, that things are only getting worse. So... Andrew Valentine, also on Instagram, agrees as well. So, let's get back to The Walking Dead February release date. Less than two months after The Walking Dead aired its season 10 finale, AMC has a premiere date for the six remaining bonus episodes. The half dozen new installments will get underway on Sunday, February 28th. That is so awesome that they actually gave us a date. And we don't have to have people asking every single day, when are we getting new episodes? We actually have a date. So if anybody asks you, when are we getting new episodes of The Walking Dead? It is Sunday, February 28th, the last day in February uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, with each episode dropping on AMC's Plus, the network's premium streaming bundle, the Thursday before its linear debut. Now, I hope that's true. Uh, right now, if you have AMC Plus, which used to be called AMC Premiere, uh, we are getting World Beyond 72 hours earlier on Thursday. Fear, though, we're getting Sunday morning. We're only getting it, you know, like 12 hours or so before it airs on TV. So I hope this is true what they're saying and they stick to that plan that if you do have AMC Plus, you'll be able to see these bonus episodes 72 hours in advance. Regular viewers will recall the season 10's finale concluded with Daryl ending Whisperer leader Beta's Reign of Terror in a gruesome fashion Maggie returning to the fold just in time to save Gabriel. Virgil happening upon MIA Connie. Worse for wear, but very much alive. And Eugene, Ezekiel, Yumiko, and Princess being surrounded by what looked like stormtroopers, but were more likely Commonwealth soldiers. And to me, they look like laser tag outfits. As previously reported, Hillary Burton, the real-life wife of Negan, portrayed by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, will appear in the bonus episodes as Negan's late wife, Lucille, after whom he named his infamous baseball bat. Robert Patrick and uh, relative newcomer Okia Eme Akwari, you know, I did pretty good with that name, will also guest star during the six new episodes. Now, whether Lucille, uh, Hillary Burton, I don't really think she's going to be in all six episodes. She might be in one or two. Uh, Of course, AMC is not going to release that information. Uh, It's going to be kind of split. It's going to probably start off with where we left off in the finale of season 10, we're going to finally see the Maggie Negan uh, confrontation, if there actually is a confrontation. From the table read that we saw, it doesn't look like she starts throwing knives at the dude. Uh, but we're, that's going to be addressed. We're going to 
they're, they're, they're going to try to drop a lot of stuff over those six episodes. The Maggie Negan thing, we're going to get a little backstory as to what Maggie has been doing. We're probably going to, well, we, we know we're getting flashbacks because Lucille is dead. And we're going to get to see Lucille in Negan's flashback. How long are Negan's flashbacks going to last in regards to how many episodes? Well, they actually sort of listed right here. Uh, to tide you over, AMC has also dropped log lines for the six bonus episodes where you can read below. So, what they're calling episode 17, I'm calling episode one of the bonus episodes. Maggie has returned with a story she is not ready to share even when her past catches up to her. Negan's safety is at stake again. Daryl and Maggie find an unseen and unknown thread. Now, they say thread. More than likely, it's a typo, and they probably meant to say threat. Uh, so, it should read, Daryl and Maggie fight an unseen and unknown threat. What that is, I don't know. The next episode, it's called Find Me. An adventure for Daryl and Carol turns sideways when they come across an old cabin. It takes Daryl back to the years when he left the group after Rick disappeared as he relives a time that, can, that only the apocalypse can manifest. So maybe we'll get some backstory into what Daryl was doing uh, during that six-year time jump. You know, obviously him and Carol find a cabin and maybe Daryl tells her what he was doing those six years up in that mountain by himself. He completely isolated himself from all the communities. We know he spent a lot of time looking for Rick's body. Of course, he never found it. The episode after that, which they're calling episode uh, 19 or... Like me, I'm saying episode three is called One More. Gabriel and Aaron search for food and supplies to bring back to Alexandria. Small tragedies lead to a bigger tragedy as faith is broken and optimism is fragmented when they are put to the ultimate test. That sounds intriguing. Very vague, but intriguing. Okay, next episode after that is called Splinter. Eugene, Ezekiel, Yumiko, and Princess are captured and separated. So we are going to get to see the Commonwealth in these six episodes. Princess struggles with memories of her traumatic past and tries to escape one way or another with the help of Ezekiel. The fifth episode is called Diverged. Daryl and Carol come to a fork in the road and head their separate ways, each going into their own type of survival mode. The easiest of challenges become much harder. Will their individual journeys be the tipping point needed to mend their friendship, or is this the distance or is this distance between them permanent? If you guys go back and remember earlier in the summer, I read an article where I believe Angela Kang says that Daryl and Carol's relationship is going to get a lot worse before it gets better in season 11. So they're not on the road to becoming the buddies that they once were. They're, continu they're going to continue to fragment. Uh, Philip on Facebook writes, I don't want Daryl and Carol splitting. Carl and Enid on YouTube writes, why other people in The Walking Dead try to destroy all of a person like an Alexandria like Negan. Uh, the King Rocha is with us from Brazil. Welcome. Uh, Philip also writes, cannot wait to see that. So, in the episode, uh, the final episode, which is called Here's Negan. And this is probably, my guess, the one and only episode that we're actually going to see Lucille. 
uh, Hillary Burton. That's just my guess. Uh, the episode is called Here's Negan. Carol takes Negan on a journey, hoping to minimize the increasing tension. Tension between who, what, where? Negan reflects on the events that led him to this point. It comes to a conclusion about his future. So there you go. On the sixth episode is where we are going to see Lucille. We're going to see the Negan flashbacks. I think this pretty much hints at it right here. Okay? Let me read it again. Negan reflects on the events that led him to this point, including his time as the leader of of the Saviors, and comes to a conclusion about his future. What that future conclusion is, we don't know. We have to wait. Uh, The article finishes off by saying, no need to worry about Daryl and Carol too much because we do know they are getting a spinoff together. So whatever tough road they are going to face together in season 11, they do either ride off into the sunset on that new spinoff or wherever they decide to take them, whether it's Virginia, New Mexico, God knows where, we all assume that they eventually make up and become the friends that they were. Uh, Carl and Enid write, I was scared because when Negan told to Carl to show him his eyes, I thought his eyes are really gone. No, if you're talking about the actor, Chandler Riggs' eyes are fully intact. (laughs) Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, great article about the extra six episodes. Uh, Singer Chick writes, I'm excited for all of them. Can't wait. Me too. These all sound fascinating. All these six episodes sound fascinating. And these are going to be, you know, just reading one to the next to the next. It's like each episode is going to be its own story on to itself. Uh, Like the way fear is being given to us right now in season six. So we're looking, we might be looking at a preview of what Tales of the Walking Dead, which is another spinoff that is starting after the original Walking Dead ends in 2023, of what that might look like. It sounds like we're getting six anthology episodes where each one is a story onto itself. And just like you guys are saying right now in the chats, I can't wait for that either. I want to welcome Alejandro and Daniel and the Batman with us on Instagram. Keko is also with us on Instagram as well. So let's get on with today's topic where we are going to compare two similar but yet unsimilar characters. And that is Daryl and Dwight. They are similar in a lot of ways. And then, of course, we also know they are not the same at all. (laughs) Uh, Apart from sharing the same initial, uh, both characters are probably around the same age. They also have the same build. Uh, Even though Dwight, Austin Emilio, is a bit more skinnier than Daryl, interestingly, these two characters even went through a similar wardrobe trend. They have, you know, the same hair length. I mean, physically, I mean, yeah, Dwight's a dirty blonde. Daryl Norman Reedus is dark-haired. But other than that, they have a lot of matching physical characteristics. In the beginning, Daryl was seen wearing a flannel shirt, which is similar to what Dwight wears when we first met him. They both had shorter hair, were cleaner cut, and as opposed to the image they adopt later on, minus that big-ass burn mark on Dwight's face, which of course was given to him by Negan. Khaleesi writes, and they love motorcycles as well. Absolutely. Uh, gradually, we start to see Daryl look uh, more like a biker, and you could say he would pass as a savior, which is what Dwight originally took him for on their first encounter. 
When Darrell is held, held captive by the saviors, Dwight steals his vest and wears it until Darrell is able to get it back in season eight when Dwight switches sides. You could arguably say that he wanted to be the man that Daryl is. And I think that's a great argument. I think Dwight strived, wished that he was more like Daryl. I think Dwight wished that he could resist Negan and the torture and the abuse that Negan put on Dwight, you know, with the burning of the face and the punishment he got when they tried to escape, but he just wasn't as strong as Daryl was. Uh, this could be because Daryl has the strength and the freedom to stand up to Negan by refusing to kneel willingly, whereas Dwight shows that he is trapped by the deal he made to keep him and his wife Sherry safe. Perhaps seeing Daryl is tugging at the conscience and deep down, he regrets not having made the right choice by taking Daryl up on his offer instead of robbing him, and both him and Sherry ran off with a runoff to Alexandria with Daryl. So yeah, we all in hindsight know, looking back, that the decision Dwight and Sherry make to go back to the Saviors was just wrong. According to an article... Watching Daryl resisting rather than joining the saviors has to be a fascinating window into what might have been if Dwight had resisted Negan from the very beginning. Dwight seeing himself in Daryl's circumstances explains why this connection formed between these two characters. Uh... Now, how many of you guys actually believe... I, I just want to stray off this for a second. At the end of All Out War, when Daryl takes Dwight for that ride, how many of you actually thought that Daryl was going to kill Dwight? I didn't. Uh, uh, Dwight certainly did. The, he takes him out to the woods. Uh, Dwight drops to his knees, saying, okay, mission is done. Negan has been taken down. I'm ready to pay for what I did. I'm paying for what I did. You guys really thought that Daryl was going to kill him? Khaleesi says, I did. Philip also believed that he was going to kill him. Oh. Uh, Ruben writes, no, I didn't. Now, yeah, I, I never, I mean, maybe a little bit crossed my mind that he might, but that's not who Daryl is. Uh, Daryl has the ability to, to forgive. He never forgets. He never forgets, but he does have the ability to forgive. He knew, uh, first off, that Dwight's wife, Sherry, is the reason why he escaped the sanctuary. And he realized all the help and the risks that Dwight took on by helping the communities and by playing the role of the spy inside of the sanctuary. Uh Lindsay Sparks writes, I didn't believe that Daryl was going to kill Dwight. You know, yeah, me neither. Me neither. Philip Tom Thompson writes, Daryl has a soft spot. He absolutely does. Um, so, uh, anyway, continuing on, an interesting quote by Austin Emilio, who plays Dwight on an interview about the dynamics between these two characters. The quote is, Dwight sold out and went against his code and his ethics and morals. Daryl's hanging in there, so I think Dwight would like to be a little stronger in that sense. Also looking into Daryl, when Dwight's torturing him, it's kind of like seeing his past self because he was there, meaning that Dwight was in that position where he was being tortured by Negan. The difference between the two characters is that Dwight broke. Daryl did not. And I love the scene while Daryl is still a prisoner and Dwight escorts him back to where he's being held and Daryl looks at him and says, I understand, man. I understand why you did it. 
why you do it, why you call yourself Negan, why you buy, bow down to him. And because Dwight was just begging and pleading with him at this point, stop, stop this pain you're putting, you know, on yourself. You know, when Negan asks you, what's your name? Say Negan. Even if you don't freaking mean it, say it. But Daryl says he can't. He can't do it. And damn, you got to respect that. You got to totally respect the hell out of that. Uh, even though we have yet to see Daryl in a romantic relationship, it's not hard to picture how his loyalty and love would run as deep as Dwight is with Sherry if if Daryl were in a relationship, which hopefully we're going to see sometime before the Walking Dead uh, original series ends. But who knows? I know, I know we're all waiting for Donnie to happen. For Daryl and Connie to hook up. I don't know, man. I don't know. They can go through 11 full seasons, 12 years, and have Daryl not once be in a relationship. And then once that spinoff starts of Daryl and Carol, very first episode, bam, he can meet the love of his life. And they can use that to separate the Daryl that we knew on The Walking Dead from whatever the the title is going to be of the Daryl and Carol spinoff. They might just do that. They might just do that. Carl and Enid writes are just killing people uh, who were bad guys for them. Daryl does sympathize to Dwight when he tells him that he gets why Dwight was acting on Negan's orders. Now let's talk about some other parallel story arcs that revolve around these two characters. When we first meet both characters, they had one person in their lives who were their whole world. For Daryl, it was Merle, and wherever they felt they could make it, they would go together. In Dwight's case, it's his wife, Sherry. And just like Merle had planned to rob the camp and run off with Daryl, Dwight and Sherry do rob Daryl, and they run off back to Negan. Looking at weapon choices, they both seem to favor the crossbow, but they're also more than capable of handling a gun. Now, we all know that Daryl isn't a character taken from the comic books. The character Daryl was just created for the TV show. There are exactly, so there are no parallels to either to, to the characters either, but Dwight is a character who, he, who is in the comic book series, and his signature weapon happens to be a crossbow. So you could see kind of where they took some stuff uh, from a character that existed in the comic books to create the character of Daryl. Uh, as for transport, both Daryl and Dwight love motorcycles, uh, and Dwight steals Daryl's. The more hardened and battle-weary they became, coupled with the changes to their personalities, we see a physical transformation in both Daryl and Dwight, which seems to continue to mirror each other. They both, their hair gets long. They both carry physical scars, although Daryl's scars are not quite as bad as uh, Dwight's scars. And not of all of Daryl's scars are from his father. He does collect a lot more throughout his ten so far ten years, ten seasons through the zombie apocalypse. Um, so another interesting parallel storyline in the storyline in the comic books is Dwight taking on the role of leadership over the saviors after all-out war. We know in the TV series, Daryl is appointed by Rick to lead the Saviors. The main difference being it wasn't by choice as it was for Dwight. And uh, how many times have we talked about this? Another bad decision by Rick putting putting Daryl, the place where he was tortured, the group of people that he just wanted dead, particularly Negan, and then putting him in charge 
of the sanctuary after Rick wins the war. Horrible decision. And we actually discussed this on the show, and we sort of came to a consensus that Laura, played by Lindsley Register, would have been a better option. She was a savior. We know that she did, she did turn out to be a very loyal Alexandrian. There was no way for Rick to really know that at the time. But I think Rick, the, the whole savior sanctuary ordeal after the war might have gone more Rick's way uh, if he did not make some of the bad choices like he did. So, anyway, later on, though, Dwight does confide in both Rick and Laura in the comic series that he wanted out and he didn't feel he was fit to continue being their leader at the sanctuary. In terms of where their loyalties lie, both Daryl and Dwight, while they do not show their allegiance to Rick when they first met him, they do both become his loyal allies. And in the comic books, Dwight is a huge confidant of Rick Grimes. He is the head of one of Rick's militias, uh, Dwight's character plays a huge role in the Whisperer War. So, yeah, he, Dwight's character was huge after All Out War and becomes uh, Rick's right-hand man because you got to remember that Daryl does not exist in the comics. So, it, it is Dwight's character that takes on the role of what Daryl would have been if Rick never left the show. Uh, the difference is the timeline that this happens. Uh, as you can see, while Daryl does not have a comic book counterpart, his character arc does bear similarities to Dwight's in the terms of their emotional and physical scars. Characterizations and the trials that they go through. So, there you guys have it. Carl and Enid writes, Daryl loves Judith. Absolutely. Uh, he loves her. He is her guardian right now. Michonne is not on the show. Rick is not on the show. So it's Uncle Daryl that is stepping up to take care of not only Judith, but RJ as well. Uh, Carl and Enid also write, Daryl and Judith are close to each other. And Judith tells about Rick. And when she and Daryl were talking about Rick and Carl, uh, Lindsay, Spark write, Lindsay Sparks writes, Daryl has great relationships uh, with Rick, Carol, and Judith, just to mention a few. With Dwight, he has Sherry, and they fight to find each other. And what were the odds that those two were going to end up meeting together? And it's just pure... Uh, determination on Dwight's part. Yeah, Sherry was leaving clues behind, having no idea what happened to Dwight after. She didn't even know the war started. Remember, Sherry left in Season 7. All Out War doesn't begin until the end of Season 7. So, Sherry's in the wind. She doesn't know what's going on. Uh, so, she doesn't know if Dwight's alive, dead, but just on the slight chance that he might still be alive, she does leave those notes for him that lead him all the way from Virginia down to Texas, where they just met up a few episodes ago on Fear of the Walking Dead. And uh, remember Daryl's quote to Dwight when he left him the keys of the truck. He goes to him, find her and start to try and make things right. And that's exactly what Dwight did. He was relentless for well over a year after All Out War, searching for Sherry. And he didn't actually find her until he had pretty much given up trying to find her, just based on her last letter that she left him, saying that this is going to be the last note I leave, and, uh, you know, 
I think it's great the way they worked it out on fear. Want to welcome Amelia Rose. Welcome back, Amelia Rose. She says, long time no see. It has been a long time, Amelia. Glad to see you back. Uh, Carl and Edith also writes, Daryl arrives at the hilltop with Judith and Rick. Tells Carl is dead. That's really, really sad. Amelia writes, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Carl and Edith wants to know who's Viz. <laughs> Carl and Edith, you see that name under my picture? V-I-Z? Yeah, I'm Viz. That's that's what I go by on the show. Viz. That's, that's hysterical, though. Uh, Wanna welcome uh, Raimondi on Instagram, Summit. Noah writes, Dwighty boy, Dwighty boy, Negan's um, favorite term for Dwight, Dwighty boy or D, you know? Negan had a whole bunch of names for everybody. Uh, Ruben writes, uh, Ruben on YouTube writes, hey, Viz, hey, Ruben, welcome. Uh, let's see what else is going on on Instagram. Uh, Abu is waving at us. Welcome. The Walkers just joined us saying, I agree. Daniel is also waving at us on Instagram. Wild Boy on Instagram saying hello. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. Ilhan8007 is saying hello. Uh, CC Weezy is saying hello to Amelia. Uh, it's good to see you back, Amelia. It really is. Anyway, guys, we're almost out of time. No, I just want to give you guys some scheduling notes. Next week here in the United States is Thanksgiving holiday. So the plan for right now is to have our last episode before the Thanksgiving break be Tuesday the 24th. So the plan is not to have any Dead Talk Live episodes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then come back fresh on Monday the 30th. Now, the, we still have several guests that we're waiting for dates from, and if they request either that Wednesday, Friday, or Saturday, I will be uh, bringing the show on for those days for that for those guests whoever they might be uh, uh, we have several guests waiting to give us dates the latest one is of course Alexa Niesenson who plays Charlie on Fear the Walking Dead we're very excited to have Alexa with us uh, it's going to be a great conversation she has been on Fear the Walking Dead now since season three. So she's been on for four seasons. Uh, she's currently, Alexa is like currently 14. So she must have been 10 or 11 when we were first introduced to her on Fear the Walking Dead. Either way, we're very psyched to have her coming on the show. It should be some great conversations. Uh, going on with uh, not only Alexa, we also have Anne Mahoney scheduled, as well as Xander Berkeley. So we're just waiting on dates from all of them. And don't forget, guys, Charlie was the one that killed Nick. Charlie is the one, Alexa's character, Charlie, is the one that ended up killing Nick on Fear the Walking Dead. And uh, that hit us hard because Nick was a was a fan favorite. I love the character of Nick. Uh, for the longest time on Fear of the Walking Dead, uh, Nick was my favorite character by far. You know, the one character that really had some depth behind him. And it was very sad to see him go. And the way that he went was just, damn. It was a kick in the gut. A kick in the gut. But uh, we know Charlie did not plan it out. She just reacted to Nick kill, uh, killing the person that was taking care of Charlie. She picks up a gun and shoots him 
without even thinking about it. And the moment she does it, she immediately regrets it. Immediately regrets it. Philip Thomas writes, I love Nick. Colette writes, he was great. And uh, Frank Delane, who played Nick, did an amazing job at playing Nick. Anyway, guys, we're out of time. Please check out our website, deadtalklive.com. Please visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is called Dead Talk Live. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. I want everybody to stay safe. And until tomorrow night, guys, please always stay walking. Good night. Thank you.